Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, November the 28th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. And we're going to examine the hymn, Savior of the Nations Come. Two verses of Savior of the Nations Come. And by the way, today isn't Monday, it's Tuesday, November the 28th. This was written originally in the Latin and a handful of hymns who's attributed to Ambrose of Milan. He died in 397. His authorship is attested uh, by the Pope Celestine in 430 and by other early writers. He is the father of Latin hymnody, and he had a certain way of taking the hymns and singing them, uh, bringing them from the West. His hymns were graphic, written in four lines of eight syllables per line, rhymed, objective in character, scriptural, and intended for singing of the people. Now, Ambrose wrote in Latin, but guess what? It was translated into German by Martin Luther, probably written during the advent of 1523, since it appears in a hymnal, Geisliche Buchlein, in 1524. It is referred to as the Advent Hymn Par Excellent, and it has been the traditional Lutheran hymn of the day for Advent 1. So, originally in Latin, translated into German, and then translated into English. And the hymnal we're using has all eight verses or stanzas in it. Savior of the nations come. 
Did you use this hymn for Advent, Pastor Mark Smith? Oh, I, I, yeah, I always use it for Advent. I, I, I may not use it on the first Sunday of Advent, but I use it uh, sometime during early Advent. Yes. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it was written by Ambrose, who was closely uh, connected with St. Augustine. Yes. And Luther was uh, an Augustinian monk. And I just wonder if that had something to do with his translating it, his interest in this hymn. Well, it is almost a literal translation from the Latin to the German. The only difference is Ambrose had eight syllables in each verse, uh, each line, but Luther only had seven. Yeah. That's an interesting. It is an interesting hymn. Uh, The... uh, as we'll find as we go through the verses, it's uh, it's just interesting how how it uh, how it flows. So, if you would read stanza one, please. Savior of the nations, come, Virgin Son, make here your home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. Now that's. One of the shuns I keep talking about, uh, incarnation. The other ones are crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. But had he not been incarnated, then he would not have been able to suffer as a human being and die on the cross, which he did. So notice, it doesn't say, Savior of Israel, come. But rather what? Savior of the nations. Savior of all people. All people. And that's what heaven is going to be like. Innumerable number of people. As God told Abraham, like the sands on the seashore and the stars in heaven. And virgin son, make here your home. So that's a big teaching of the Christian church, that Mary was a virgin. And therefore, Jesus, how did he get produced in Mary? Well, that, you know, that leads us to the second part of that opening stanza. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. And that leads us right into the second verse, uh, the second stanza, which talks about the miracle of uh, his incarnation. All right, if you would read that. Not by human flesh and blood, by the Spirit of our God was the word of God made flesh, woman's offspring, pure and fresh. Yes. So it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Mary became pregnant. And of course, at first, Joseph, well, he was just going to maybe get rid of her, but he had a dream from the angel Gabriel that this was the Son of God, and he took her to be his wife. And, of course, then they went to Bethlehem 
where the birth took place, as promised in the Old Testament. Is there a Bible verse in the Old Testament that she would be a virgin? Yeah, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is Isaiah 7.14. Exactly. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God himself with us. And remember, is, Tom, what, remember what uh, Mary, you know, Mary said, how shall this be, uh, since yes. I know not a man? And, uh, and the angel explains to her, uh, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And exactly. then he explains that this this shall be the son of this shall be the son of God. So he explains Mary, unlike uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who, who kind of who t- tended to doubt. Uh, Mary accepted it. She just didn't know how this could happen, since she knew herself firsthand that she was a virgin. So when Jesus was born, was he only a human being, or was he also still God? Well, that that gets us to the uh, the next the following verses uh, that uh, uh, in well, in her womb to... this truth was shown. God was there upon His throne. The very God, the very God Himself, was conceived in her womb. Jesus was God from eternity. And uh, I'll read the stanza three. Right here, a maid was found with child yet remained a virgin mild. In her womb, this truth was shown. God was there. And then it says, upon his throne. Yes, that's what's, that's interesting. Yes. Uh, Jesus never ceased to be God. He, a lot of people think, well, he left you know, he left heaven, he left his father. Well, he did that, that's true, but he, he never ceased to be God. He was God from all eternity and, uh, and will never cease to be God. Well, does the Bible ever say, it says he ascended into heaven to God, yes. the Father who was on the throne. Does it ever mention that Jesus also had a throne? Yes, and uh, in fact, we're going to get to that in, sh- in stanza five when he okay. returns to his. We're going when he returns to his father. Yep, and so he also is God on his throne, while he is also in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Yes, that's right, and that's you know that's part of the mystery. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's proper to say, even when in his death, it's proper to say God died on the cross. If we say anything less than that, we're saying that Jesus is not God. Or God. he's not a human being. Right. Now, he was, he was in his, uh, this begins his state of humiliation when he's conceived in the womb, but that uh, that doesn't mean he ceases to be God. All all of those divine powers are accessible to him, even as that little infant in the womb. He just during his during his uh, state of uh, humiliation, he he does not always use them, except when he performs miracles. Well, even there, 
sometimes it's the father he thanks for doing the miracle. That's right. That is right. Uh-huh. Yep. Other times he does the miracle, like the stilling of the storm on right. the Sea of Galilee. That's right. All right. Stanza four, please. Okay. Then ste- Now, this is interesting. Then stepped forth the Lord of all from his pure and kingly hall, God of God, yet fully man. His heroic course began. Now, my only question, Tom, is uh, when he says he stepped forth the Lord of all from his pure and kingly hall, I think he's talking there about his birth. Uh, coming forth from the womb of Mary. Is that, isn't that his kingly hall? No, I, I think I read it. He was in heaven. That's his kingly hall. And he stepped forth from there to be born as a fully man. Well, I I may, yeah, I have to reflect a little bit more on that. I it does it is kind of a strange expression to give uh, to the womb of Mary, uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm inclined to think that it's talking there about his birth, uh, coming forth from the womb. You know, wherever he is, he makes it his kingly hall. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting. Uh, that's why I say this. It, it, the hymn has some interesting points. Yeah. Okay, we may have a difference of opinion there as yeah. to what his kingly hall is, but I'll read stanza five. God the Father was his source. Back to God, he ran his course into hell. His road went down, back then to his throne and crown. Now, when did he experience this hell? That's when he descended into hell. You know, what's interesting about this stanza is it talks already, you know, it talks about him coming from the Father, of course, and right. uh, coming to earth, and but he... When he died, of course, he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Back to God, he ran his course. He, he dies, and he goes back to his father, uh, as he promised that uh, thief on the cross, this very day you'll be with me in paradise. And then, it, and then from there, it goes into his descent into hell. And then, and then after that, back then to his throne and crown. That's his, his ascension, is it not, Tom? Yes, that would be, but did he not also experience hell on the cross? Yes, that's true, too. Yeah, we don't want to forget that. Uh, He suffered the very pangs of hell on the cross for us, but he also descended into hell, uh, you know, right before before he, he became, he appeared on Easter. But that was a triumphant ascent. That is right. That is right. Yes, because he proclaimed victory. And who was he talking to when he went to hell? Oh, he was he was going there to, as you said, uh, to tell Satan, 
you're finished, Satan. You and your cronies, it's done. You thought you had me beat on the cross, but that's not at all what happened. You're conquered. Specifically, who was in the hell he went to? I would say Satan. Well, the Bible Satan. says it was Satan. No, okay. It was the spirits of those and the days of Noah. Okay, yeah, right, that is. That's a, that is an uh, an interesting verse, right? Yeah. And that's who he proclaimed victory over, the false spirits, the unbelievers. You don't think he proclaimed victory to Satan? Well, that was done on the cross when he says, okay. it is finished. It is finished. Okay, all right. That's the Gee, I always, I, I always understood that his descent into hell was uh, also his proclamation to Satan that Satan was, Satan was uh, conquered. And uh, what better well, proof of that is, is his resurrection. It wasn't that descent into hell when Satan was conquered. It was on the cross when he was conquered. I agree. I agree. But so, he went he went into Satan's own lair, <laughs> so there'd be no question about it. Right. It really, the descent into hell we talk about in the creed was rather an announcement by Jesus of what uh -huh. had occurred okay. on the cross. Okay, good. All right. And then the proof, of course, as you said, was the resurrection. Now we get into the Trinity in stanza six. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, this has been all narrative. It's It's been talking about what has happened, and now he actually addresses Christ himself in this hymn. For you are the Father's Son, who in flesh the victory won. By your mighty power make whole all our ills of flesh and soul. What are our ills of flesh and soul? I would say primarily our sins. Exactly. We're in the world of tribulation, yeah. Satan's planet. And so how does he make us whole? What gift do we receive? His righteousness. And the forgiveness that, of sins. Yes. Don't you think that last line is also talking about our ills uh, uh, that we suffer in the flesh? Sickness as well as sin? But that doesn't happen all the time on earth. That is true. Yes. But that really, and when I'm reading the book of Proverbs, that's what Solomon says again and again that it's in heaven that we become whole. Right. That, I agree. All of our sins, all of our ills of flesh and soul will finally be, will be free of those in heaven. That's right. Well said. All right. Stanza seven, I'll read. From the manger, newborn light shines in glory through the night. Darkness, there is no more resides in this light. Faith now abides. 
Well, what does faith replace? Uh, Doubt and uncertainty. Well, how does every other religion think you get to heaven? Uh, By... Oh, by uh, by their own works. Exactly. But, mm-hmm. but in Christianity, faith replaces my works. That's because right. Because my works fall short of the glory of God. That's right. And so this is why it's very important here that there are many metaphors describing Jesus. And the metaphor here is from the manger, newborn light. So is Jesus the light of the world in the Old Testament? Yes. But now he's newborn light. Right. What's that, that is right to? Well, it's going back to the, the manger. It's going back to the to the, yeah. uh, the 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 wonderful good news of Christmas, that that the light, uh, as John talks about in his uh, in his opening uh, chapter of his gospel, he talks about the in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and he talks about that light coming to earth. And what is the opposite of light? Darkness. According to this verse. Darkness there no more resides. Yeah. Where Christ is, there's no more darkness. Yes. Because Christianity is not a religion made up by human beings. It is a revealed religion. And unless you hear from the Word of God what Christianity is about, you will never realize the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Darkness versus light. Right. And it's, it's, we're talking here, of course, about a spiritual darkness. Yes. And a lot of even Lutherans sometimes are in that darkness because they recognize their sin and they get worried about whether or not heaven is going to be their home because of their sin. They may yeah. have a lot of secret sins that nobody knows about. So, and, and, a lot, and a lot of doubts. You know, there's, there's some darkness in our doubts. And yet, uh, and yet even so, even in the midst of that darkness of doubt, uh, can still exist faith. We, we still cling to God's promises. Well said. Well said. So when you're visiting, say, a shut-in whose family no longer is there and they're worried about going to heaven, what is your message to them? Uh, I, well, I would say, you know, if you go into that, you go into that operating room and you don't come out. You're going to be with you're going to be with Jesus. If you do yes. come out, then He will be here with you. Either way, you're with Jesus. You can't. We cannot lose as Christians. We children of God. We cannot lose. He's either with us. 
we're either with him in heaven or he's with us, continues to be with us on this earth. Yes. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you live or die. Jesus is always with us. Yeah. And that's yeah, why we're it's, with it's him. Like that, that other hymn, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Yes. Yeah, Paul even says he would prefer to die and be in heaven, but for the sake of the people that he's preaching to, he's willing to remain here on earth. That's real discipleship. Right. So why is there a triangle in front of verse 8? To let us know it's a doxological stanza, and uh, we we stand. Normally we stand for those doxological stanzas. It, it, it refers to the, all three persons of the Trinity. Yes. And so if you would read verse 8. Glory to the Father, sing. Glory to the Son, our King. Glory to the Spirit, be now and through eternity. Boy, notice that all three receive our glory. What does that mean? How do we give glory to God? By by reflecting his, his gospel in our hymns of praise, one way. I also would say through the worship liturgy. Right. Yes. When we come to church, we're there to give glory to God and also to hear from Jesus the revelation of Christianity that can give us comfort. And the greatest comfort is that not only here on earth are we with the Father, Son, and Spirit, but throughout all eternity. What's that referring to? Throughout all eternity? Yes. That's referring to our our heavenly home. That's yes. uh, when not not just in the in the interim state, but also throughout eternity when we're we're with the the saints that have gone before us and all the angels of heaven and with our Lord Himself. Well said, Pastor Mark Smith. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we took a look at the greatest Advent hymn written. Savior of the nations come. Join with us again tomorrow at 9.30 for another discussion on the distinctions between law and gospel. And attend Advent service soon. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.